Good evening, all. I'm Devara Krasniansky from Adayad, and I'm really excited about tonight's topic with Rabbi Levin, because as I work with people and the questions that come into Adayad, a lot of from from Bahram, from parents, from girls, and there's a lot that people want to know about Shidduchim, about how to prepare for marriage. And so I'm really grateful to you, Rabbi Levin, for coming to talk to us tonight. And for those of you who listen to it in the recording. So I have a lot of questions that come to me and we shared those to you with earlier. But before we get started, just talk a little bit about what you do in this realm of Shidduchim, of working with Bachmer, working with Hassanim. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. And um, so I'm, I'm, I think I'm mostly known for being a chassan teacher in this in this realm. That means bachim who are already engaged, already getting married, they're coming to me to prepare for the marriage itself. But as time goes on, we in many fields, but also in this field, we see earlier and earlier the more education, the more we can talk about topics before they happen, the better. So it's it's I've been very motivated to reach out to uh, to Bahram and families from all ages. For example, here in the Smicha in Marstown, uh, we talk to Bahram who are finishing up Smicha to prepare them for dating and um, really marriage preparation. Sometimes being on the other end, being a chassan teacher as well as staying in touch with the chassanim and then also a marriage coach and working with the Shalom bias challenges that come up later really informs our thinking of what would we like the Bachram to hear many years before to kind of preempt. And the Rebbe always taught us about the importance of, of um, you know, uh, preparing in advance and preemptive. So that's that's what I'm very passionate about, about uh, getting information out there. I'll very often hear people tell me, I wish I would have known this. Right. And that's basically what, what it's all about, to try to put that information as, as much as we can out there as early as possible to guide and support um, such a big and, and wonderful task as, which is wonderful and also challenging as finding a shidduch and uh, building a home. Most importantly, being in the marriage. Absolutely. So that's exactly what we do at Adayat as well. And uh, we have to that end, we started Shidduch U, which is partially about dating, but partially also about preparing for marriage. And we have several talks on that topic. And they're on our website and they're actually on our podcast. We did a whole series last year, uh, but, but there's always so much more to learn. And so that's why I'm really grateful that we're here tonight. The other thing is also that it's important to learn it so that we can actually integrate it and become experienced in whatever it is. So it's not only something you hear, okay, you're ready for Shaduchim, we're going to start dating in two weeks. Here's come learn something. The earlier you know it so that you can integrate it, I think is super important. Yeah. Whether we're talking about communication or we're talking about the mindsets and tools and uh, of what a marriage is. So I have some questions and you have some questions. What, what comes to you often? What kind of topics are like most often that they should have heard or wish they would have heard before? Well, the first, the first thing that, that I've gotten many, many times over the years is why isn't anybody... Um, you know, putting this information out. So that answer we know because your organization, you know, Bar Hashem has really been, I, I've heard about you a long time ago and seen some of the things that you do and the fact that that it's being put out in the first place is is already a very good answer to that question and a place to, you know, to, to send people and direct people to. 
Um, I guess one of the questions that comes up a lot is, how do I know when I'm ready? Um, that's one question. And another question is, is along a similar, uh, along similar lines is, you know, we've been kind of in a system until now. This is what I hear a lot. We've been in a system. So we've never really had to sit down and think about who am I? What am I looking for? You know, how do I go about it? It almost seems to be like the end of the conveyor belt to a certain de degree where it, for many people, uh, everything has been directed up until now and being faced with, I guess, leaving yeshiva, but also, uh, you know, getting into 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 whatever area of Bachram are getting into. But thinking about marriage really puts in front of the individual questions that they may have never thought about before, like, uh, what do I really want? How do I know what I'm looking for? So how do I know when I'm ready? How do I know who to find? How do I go about it? So it's more a general question of confusion is what I get a lot. We do too. A lot of, a lot of that is like, especially more from the Bachram than from the girls, to be honest, is like, I never really had to think about this. And I never really, I don't even know how to start thinking about what kind of life do I want? What do I want for myself? What do I want for a spouse? What kind of family? It's because some, some smaller things people have thought about, but the real questions, the kind of question that they have, will have to really help them narrow down who they're looking for. Some people yeah. really haven't done. Yeah. And it's not just person, we're not just looking for personality traits. We're actually looking for values and a whole way of life that we have to articulate. So that I'm finding a lot also. So how do we, how, how can we talk to that in, in these few minutes? Uh, how to figure yeah. that out? We'll figure that out. So, first of all, uh, just the, the the importance of figuring that out, uh, I think, is becoming more and more clear over time. And when you think about uh, realizing that a shidduch, a lot a lot of the shidduch has to do with compatibility, and compatibility today uh, means a lot more than just a good boy and a good girl. That means that they have they have compatibility with each other specifically. So, I think people get lost sometimes when you're talking about Per, who the person is and what they're looking for, you get lost in the world of, you know, what are I, what are good values, negative, positive traits, negative traits. I think that's less the point. The point is more, who are you and who is it that's, that you're looking for and, and who are you compatible with and how to go about that, I'll talk about it in a second. But the idea that in the world of Shaduchim, without the answering these questions, uh, we could waste a lot of time, right? Because especially if a Bacha, let's say, is having his parents or others um, look for suggestions or, uh, you know, to, to help them do the research, to help them kind of narrow down uh, what who's who's good for you and who's compatible with you. And I have this theory that there are at least seven people that would work out perfectly with yep. each person. Just made that up. But 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 who are those seven? Like, what kind of individuals are we looking for? And I love the Shidduch system in the sense that we don't waste time dating everybody. We're trying to, you know, and, and part of that is the fear that I hear all the time is if if people knew this about me, maybe they wouldn't want to date me. And I say often that's that's amazing. Let them know right away so that they don't so you don't waste your time. So there's a certain and we'll we'll talk about that more. Maybe you know there's there's it's not so black and white, but the people are starting to realize more and more that in order to to find your basharit, the people who are helping you out or asking questions or researching need some clarity on what kind of questions to ask. And their opinion, like your parents' opinion on what would be best for you, may not be exactly what is best for you, what you think is best for you. So the, the conversation, the questions, the process really, really does help. Now, there's a certain amount of clarity that you can have before you get started. We hope that 
individuals you know, will get married to the first person that they meet, but sometimes that doesn't work out. And the, you know, the, the, what happens through that process is they actually learn a lot more about themselves and what they're looking for sometimes. Um, so we're not looking for that necessarily to, to meet someone that it doesn't work out, but that is part of how, how individuals learn. So what I, what I typically, uh, the way I think about it is there's three categories, right? Values, personality, and attraction. And just in short, and you can tell me how much you want to go into this, but in short, uh, the way I see it is there's a process where a bacher, for example, will go through this process and, and end up with three to ten you know, top items on values list. That means priorities, values. Um, and in a sense, that's a picture of the type of home that we're talking about. So if you were starting a company and you wanted to hire people, the first question is, what is this company about? And so you don't just hire people who are who have lots of qualities. They need the specific qualities. First of all, they need to share the same vision as you. And this is the easier part because when you have your value set, you just copy and paste it for your, for your spouse. You want someone with the same values pretty much. Um, when it comes to the second level, which is personality, it's a little more complicated because you don't have to marry someone with the same personality. Um, so you might, you also want to have top three to 10 uh, items that describe your personality, as well as the list of the individual that uh, that would be compatible with you. And that may not be so precise. There may be many people that you can get along well with and be compatible with. And, uh, and, and the, third, the third area is attraction, which is basically everything else. Um, so including even what some people might call silly or small details. And in short, um, th there's, there's many different ways we can go with this conversation. You know, one is getting into some more details about how, how to do this process. But what I like about the process is it helps an individual know what they're looking for. It helps the person who's asking questions know what to ask. And finally, I believe that when you marry someone, you should also know what you're getting into in terms of the limitations that they have and what they're not great at and what you're giving up on. And by having your top 10 list, you can compare it and say, listen, they, they're missing some qualities, but at least it's not the top three. You know, so they, they don't have everything I want, but the things that are missing are lower down on the list, which means I can live with that. Right. So I also, so I feel it's very important that you're, the, when you're creating that list of who you are, is also use that same list of when you're actually dating so that you make sure that you cover and you share all of that because dating is a lot about getting to know the other person, but also making sure that you know that the other person accepts you. So make exactly. sure that you're covering all of that. Exactly. And so when you're working, and the, this, this list that you make before you start dating is made with your head. There isn't a person there where that gets all those emotion messed up. So you could get in, you have your list, and like you said, you're looking, at least you get your top three or four, and you're not, and everyone has, has limitations, and everyone has, so you know what you absolutely need, and these are, would be really lovely to have. And if someone yeah. has something else, something that is important to you, but doesn't have what, what is lovely to have, then that's something that you do with your head once because you have that list. And I think that, so I think that list is super important for that reason also. I think we can take a step back for a second because, you know, it's, it seems a little counterintuitive if you think about it. You know, I mentioned values and then personality and then attraction. And so some people might think, wouldn't you start with attraction? Like for, and, and you know, maybe in the world, that's how it is. If two people are attracted to each other, then they'll figure out later if their values match or their personalities match. So why, we, why do we seem to be going backwards? And why do we say that or attraction or excitement uh, is important, but that's like third on the list? 
And the answer is you take a step back and ask, why are we getting married in the first place? And if we often in many things in life, if we look at the end goal, it says this is right? like the idea that, that first you look at the end result and then we figure out how to get there. So the, the, guide, the, the dating is guided when we have clarity on what is it that we're trying to accomplish over here. So dating, for example, is not just a boy and a girl spending time together, but it's for a very specific purpose. And the purpose is to see if we're compatible and compatible specifically for marriage. And marriage, again, we can see you know, how, how detailed we want to get into that, but, but a Yiddish home, a Jewish marriage has to do with our mission. And that mission of, of dear uh, but specifically making this specific home. So then the very first question, before we even think about attraction, the first question is values. Because if the purpose of dating is to see who is the partner with whom we are going to build a home, and the home is not just the home, the home is also the marriage itself, right? the relationship itself, and then the children, and the relationship with the children, and then the shlichus, whatever that shlichus might be, whatever it is that we do in, the, in, in, any, in any type of form. We're starting with that. Like who would be the, the person that would be best as my partner in that mission in life, which comes along, by the way, with a lot of joy and excitement and passion and pleasure. And all of that is our wonderful side effects of this beautiful structure and building and, 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 and edifice. But um, we're starting off with who, who would be best to do that with me? And the first thing to think about is someone who shares the same vision of what a home is. And just to give a quick example, without getting into, into the specific details, but there was a chassan and a kala who got engaged and then broke off the shidduch. And what happened was they had some differences and in, in terms of their values, but they were naturally the kinds of people who were so live and let live. They're not the kinds of people who felt that everyone has to do what they do. So they were really cool with the fact that he, thought, he felt this way, she felt that way. And it was even maybe stimulating or exciting to, to be with someone who has a different approach. But they realized that that difference in values at some point, like they were talking about what kind of books will be on this bookshelf. But then they realized we're talking about the same bookshelf. It can't be both. There are certain things that it can't be both. So we can really respect each other and you know, not judge the other person's choices, but it's not going to work in the same home with the same family. We're just going to have to find someone that has the same vision that we have uh, individually, and then those two homes can be created. So again, it's not a judgment about, you know, uh, right and wrong. That's a conversation with a mashpia. That's how someone figures out what their values should be. But once they know what their values are, then the, the, there's nothing to talk about if the other person doesn't share the same values. And the Rebbe talks about how how marriage is so difficult because you're two different people already. And therefore to introduce, you know, we talk about the second phase of marriage, which is, you know, when, when, the, when the honeymoon phase kind of uh, goes away, it can last anywhere from two, from two minutes to two years, we say the honeymoon phase. And the second difficult part of the marriage is the, the power struggle where two different people are trying to figure out how to, how to have one home together. So the Rebbe says, if you add additional differences, big differences in the mix, like differences in values, differences in personality, difficulty with compatibility, you're, you're making it harder on yourself. It's already going to be difficult. So let's not even try, let's try not to even develop those feelings or emotions. And let's only, in, at the beginning, find the individuals who have the same vision that we have. Ideally, as far as we can tell, have the same 
or a compatible type of personality. And then the dating itself is to ask some of those questions as well. Like you said, following your list. But once we have all that clear, then we need to see if the attraction is there as well. And if the chemistry is there and if the emotions are there, which is another question that people ask, what does that mean? We can talk about that. But, but my point here is when you take a step back and you say, why are we getting married in the first place? That helps us navigate the process of how to figure out who to get married to. It has to be someone who fits into this paradigm of a Yiddish home and what the purpose of the home is. I just want to build on that. When some people are on the same level right now, but if someone's going up or someone's going down, and right now you happen to be in the same level, that's not necessarily say, saying that you're at the same values, because right now you have the same values, but you also have to see the direction. Absolutely. And anyway, so it's something to really to look at. And that's that talks cool. to when people are making recent big changes, uh, e either one way or the other, or even, I mean, we spoke about this last year with addictions or overcoming addictions. The change is so recent, it's not some, it's something to actually look into how recent, how steady is that? How sturdy is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And right, so, so someone's values isn't necessarily only their current behaviors or where they're holding, but also their vision. Right, and also their, their dreams and visions. And you know, one question that I get all the time is, what if I don't have values? Right? Or what if I'm on a journey and I don't know yet what my values are? So my answer to that is, that's your value, right? In other words, to be honest, you're saying you are making a choice or your value, your priority right now is to not set yourself firmly into a particular value, but to be open to explore. So just marry someone, or if you want to get married now, marry someone who is on board with that who has the same vision, we'll get married and we'll figure it out together, whatever the particular area is. Like, that's fine if that's your truth. If that's, so for example, somebody who, you know, and, and values is many different things. Values is not only like Yiddish kind of things. There's values about roles of men and women and about, you know, money versus, you know, money versus time with the family and many different value things or priority things. Um, bigger things, including smaller things, like where do you want to live? And, some people are, uh, you know, what kind of parnasa or things like that are people who want to be, their value is to be more on a journey and, and kind of figure out how it goes. Um, as long as the person that you marry is on the same page about that. And knows that you're on a journey. Uh, be open about that, be honest. Say that, uh, just to say that I think it's important to run that by someone to see really how, how much of on, on a journey you are. If you're on a journey as a value or on a journey as a not sure what you want to be doing with your life, because there are some marriages that end up very challenged because someone was on the journey. And that's why I said about going up or down. Someone's really just moving around and trying to figure out. And right now, it happens to be the same place. Uh, it ends up being very challenging. So it's not everybody who's on a journey should be getting married. And a journey at, th at this point, because really... I mean, that's, again, my perspective, and that's what I'm seeing, is that if you're really on a journey and you think that, okay, may, uh, someone's like someone's advising, get married so you settle down, but you're really very much on a journey, I think it's important to actually reflect with, you know, with somebody else. Don't just take that advice on yourself. I think really, you know, what is this journey about? I think you're touching on something very important that relates to this and many other areas as well for the individual who's, who's going on, on, on Shaduchim to be firm or to have clarity within themselves, inner boundaries and, and external boundaries with regards to others like parents or, or shadchanim who may put pressure. And the type of pressure specifically I'm putting, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm talking about is the pressure that pushes aside a concern, especially when it's a concern, let's say, about value. So in, in, this, in this example that you're talking about, you can sometimes have, you know, two individuals are dating and what comes up is some kind of difference in values. And one of them will say, it's okay, you know, it's fine, I, I, I'll work on it. I'll work on myself, I'll change, I'll get better or they'll change or whatever it is. And sometimes that's coming from external pressure. And other people say to them, like, what's the big deal? Come on, it's not a big deal. It's, sometimes it's on the individual, but we can talk to others. So we can talk to parents about how, you know, what, how not to put that kind of pressure on, on the children. But in, we're talking to, to you, to the Bachram who are going on a show. If you notice that, uh, put it this way, I strongly recommend not ignoring anything. On the other hand, that doesn't mean that a challenge, you shouldn't get married because of a challenge, but it has to be processed. Like you're saying, you have to be, have some clarity on what this means. And dating obviously is not actually the marriage because, you know, you're not going to live in a hotel lobby or whatever kind of date, date you are. And, you're, and, and on the date, you're putting your best foot forward and you're dressing up and you know, there's a lot of other things. But ultimately, the real purpose of dating is to kind of get a sense of what would it be like if we were married? And so things that you notice on a date, differences or challenges or things like that, you want to assume this is going to happen again. This is going to be an issue. And dating should not never be about, um, come on, we can make it work. When you're married, you have to make it work. But you have, if, you, if you're deciding who to marry, then you have to ask the question the other way around. Am I sure? Or you can never be 100% sure, but does it seem like with all of the things that I'm noticing about each other's values, the similarities and the difference? And so you, you, you don't want to be closed to the potential challenges. You don't want to push that down and say, it's okay, he'll work on it, she'll work on it. You want to be clear about where we are now, where we intend to be. And, you know, get, and it can sometimes help to have someone else say that to you and say, you know, someone experienced can say, this is how this might show up in a marriage. You know, this issue that you're noticing here, this is how it might, of course, nobody can predict. This is how it might show up. I'm not saying don't get married, but be aware of how this difference would play out with you guys potentially in five, 10 years from now. That being said, if someone is willing to make a change, the question is, how long were they saying that they're willing to make a change? Right. Now, are they and, doing it for the other, or do they really, or do they really mean it? Right. Well, sometimes they say, I was just waiting for someone to support me in this change, and so here I would have a potential spouse, someone who would be on my side as I make the change. But nonetheless, depending, of course, what that change is, if something they wanted to do for a long time and just were waiting for the support, can you really handle being that support? And do you know how to be that support? And depending again, what it is, if someone wants to eat healthy, if a buffer wants to eat healthy and just lives in a basement by himself and if his wife cooks some healthy foods or they cook together healthy foods, then maybe. But if it's someone says that I want to stop, um, stop smoking weed, if I have a wife, I'll stop smoking weed. It's a very different stop. It's a very different change. Right. Right. In general, uh, marriage is not a hospital. And so people who think that being married, being in a relationship is going to cure or is going to, you know, bring out the best in me, um, not necessarily, not necessarily. Um, there is, there is, there's a lot of confusion around dependency and codependency and interdependency and what that means. And, you know, on the one hand, we do want to, you do want a husband and a wife to, to need each other. Right? and to want to be connected and to rely on each other to a certain degree. 
right? But then there's, and this is why it's complicated and important to talk about it, to try to clarify. And some, some of it is more individual, right? But individual work has to be something that an individual does for themselves. Like for example, in, in the field that I'm trained in, which is the field of addiction, right? So when, when we work with an addict who is, who is trying to get sober for his wife, it's not gonna, it's not gonna last. Maybe, but not really. He has to want to get better for himself. I, or if he's saying the opposite, he's saying, I really want to get better, but I'm waiting for my wife to, to fix me or to, you know, or to do the things to, to help me or whatever. So an individual, um, so, and again, it, as long as we're honest and clear about that, like for example, if somebody has a, a, an eating issue, if somebody's overeating a lot, Right? And they say, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it, you know, once I get married, I'm going to be more settled. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm really going to work on it and I'm making a hachlata and it's not going to be the same. So like you're saying, it's not a, really a change that has been demonstrated or it's just happened recently. So what does that mean? What that means is, it means is that person really, really is motivated to do that. really wants to do that, but maybe they won't. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. They haven't demonstrated that. So it's okay to marry that person, but understand that you're marrying the person despite the fact that they may not live up to... A lot of people make hachlatas. We have New, Year, New Year's resolutions all the time, but they don't necessarily live up to that. So you wouldn't marry someone dependent on that change. You would say, you know, I'll, 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 I'm willing to love you and get married to you and connect with you as you are now. And I'm willing to, let's work together on and support each other on whatever changes we'd like to make. But it's not that we'll get married and only when those changes happen, that's when we'll accept each other. Because the fundamental, uh, this is something that I realized while working with couples, that a lot of the, the skills of communication and working on Shalom bias were missing something. What was missing is the fundamental commitment to each other that comes before the change. And that's what Hariyat Mekudashasli, that's what the marriage, marriage is the commitment to each other. Now, today, we still have plenty of work to do. And we're going to talk about, we're going to make requests from each other, and we're going to learn how to communicate and share frustrations and difficulties. All of that will be built on top of the foundation. But the foundation has to be, we're committed to each other the way we are right now, today, before we change. And if the change needs to happen first, I'm sorry to say this, maybe don't get married yet. And that's another question that I get asked a lot. What kind of changes need to happen before I get married? And what can I get married and, 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 and continue to work on? Because we have a life, life ahead of us. So. so do you want to answer what are some of those changes that we need to have worked on or things that are really difficult to be have in a marriage? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of addressing, it's addressing the question of how do I know when I'm ready to get married, um, right? So biologically, you're ready to get married when you're bar, bar bas mitzvah around that age, but, you know, probably not mature yet enough to get married. It's probably more that has to happen. So what is that? So, you know, um, in general, you want to have basic social skills of things like empathy, being able to get along with other people, right? So if you see tendencies of narcissistic tendencies or, ten, or not, not able to, to, to be there for somebody else, because marriage ultimately is about giving. You receive as well, but it's about giving, being able to be connected with someone else. 
uh, a bachar, for example, has had a lot of difficulty with relationships, with chavrosos, with roommates, whatever it is, and he seems to be, you know, pushing people away all the time. This is something to look at. Um, is this, is this, is everybody else? Hey, are you victim to everybody else? Or is there something, you know, something in, in your attitude that's pushing people away? So um, you want to look at, you, you, you want to know, you have a certain sense that you've had some success in relationships where you're able to get along with people, even if there's some conflict, even if some differences, some differences of agreements. You want to see that there isn't, you want to see that you're able to generally uh, manage emotions, right? So emotional regulation. Right? You want to see that, you know, it, it's very healthy to have emotions. It's healthy to, to get upset, to even experience some anger, uh, to feel sad, to feel up, to feel down. To, to in, in a healthy relationship, you have conflict and you have distance, you have differences, right? But overall, that you have the skills to be able to regulate those emotions, that you don't express it through rage or, or violence or anything else like that. Stonewalling. Or, sto or, yeah, or the, the other way around, right? Or stonewalling or shutting down or other kinds of destructive behaviors. And sometimes, you know, we can go both ways. Sometimes I think, I, I find that individuals sometimes minimize uh, so, some of those behaviors and may not, you know, they may be in denial about some things they need to work on. And sometimes they over-exaggerate. Over I have a lot of times a bacher will actually be dealing with just the regular ups and downs of life and they, in their mind, they think that they have this major, that, that you know, that there's completely dysregulated and dysfunctional. That may not be the case. So sometimes it can help to speak to a mashpia to, to help one know whether their, you know, conflicts, emotion, internal conflicts, whether they get really angry or upset or hurt or, or down, whether that's just regular life that you need to continue to work on or whether there's something that needs to be addressed a little bit more. So that's something that can help, you know, can help clarify that a little bit more, as well as other kinds of, of uh, destructive uh, coping mechanisms that develop, for example, addictions, right? So we mentioned addictions earlier. In general, addictions in, in, in you know, there's many different ways to, to define addiction. Addiction is not the same thing as, you know, a behavior, it doesn't, a habit doesn't necessarily mean addiction. If someone right. does something, you know, destructive, that doesn't mean they're addicted to it. Addiction, I think, has two main um, elements to it, with the way I look at it, is number one, you really want to stop and you can't, number one. But number two is that it's somehow filling some kind of hole and it's being used as a solution. It's a coping mechanism, mm -hmm. right? Which means uh, when that's the case, if it's being used as a coping mechanism, that means that stopping the behavior is, is not going to work by itself. Um, we have to replace it. So a common mistake is thinking if someone has an addiction, for example, they're addicted to looking at things that they shouldn't be looking at on the internet, for example. So you think maybe if they get married, then they'll have a healthy outlet, then they'll be married, you know, that's going to help it. So it's actually going to be the opposite if it's an addiction, because what, what's actually going on here is this is an individual who has had times in their life where they had, whether it was internal difficulties, social anxiety, or you know, fear of conflict, whatever may be going on, self-esteem challenges, anxiety, and they found something that worked to escape from that, from those feelings. And so their brain kind of got hooked on that because they don't know what else to do. And as a younger person, as, as a teenager, that makes sense because you don't really have anyone to talk to. And how, how do you know, how do you cope? So they found something that's not, that's not healthy, but it 
it, it's, it's kind of working a little bit. And so what's going to happen when they've gotten used to using that as an escape from a difficult situation, then you get married where you can't really hide anymore. And now you're, you need to get along with someone else. And then they do something that could be a trigger or there, or some pain is stirred up or, or trauma, whatever it may be, even if it's not an extreme thing, but familiar feelings of inferiority, of fear, of pain. And then you go to your drug even more, not less, unless you've learned how to solve that challenge in healthier ways, right? So what I, you know, I firmly uh, state, I always tell, tell Bachem, if they're coming to me only as a chassan, it's a little bit late, but I, I tell them, at least you're not married yet. Before you get married, if there is, if there is a, a, a clinical issue, if there's an addiction, some kind of personality issue or something like that, and don't assume right away that you have that. But if you if you can speak to a professional if need be to get clarity, but there is, let's say, an addiction, for example, then you need to start working on it, number one. And number two, your kala needs to know about it. So people ask me, how much sobriety do I need to have before I, I start dating? Right. And the, 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 there's a couple of, of parts to the answer to the question, but the main point of what I'm trying to say right now is it's something that needs to be disclosed before the final decision, before the proposal, right? Because in the work that I do with couples and, and I specialize in this area of repairing the marriage after betrayal is the betrayal often is a lot more about the secrets and the double life more than the content of what's being done. So a, a man and woman need to be able to have a, to be able to make a choice and be fully informed. Now that doesn't mean that you have to share everything about your life and about your history, because that's, what's the difference between private and secret, right? But what we're trying to figure out here, and again, don't necessarily do this on your own, but get clarity on, is there something in my behavior, in my patterns of behavior, in my patterns of thinking, in the way I react to other people or the things that I do, is there a pattern here that is current? That means it right now has the potential to impact my relationship. That doesn't mean I can't get married, but... I need to identify what that is. I need to get, I need to start working on it. And if it's current or future, the person that I marry needs to be in on it. Now, maybe they won't even want to date me if they know about it right away. So certain things, it makes sense. So let's get to know each other a bit first. And if it seems to be working well, then we can talk about this issue, whether it's a medical health issue or a mental health issue. And then they get to decide, they get to have agency to decide if that, if that works for them or that doesn't work for them. And it's much better to be able to say, you know, this is, I have a tendency to, you know, I have a tendency in the past to, you know, act out when I get upset, but for the last six months, 12 months, I've been working on it with, with, with whatever it is that I'm doing. And, you know, my commitment is to, to work on my recovery, whatever it might be. It's a very, you know, that's very different than presenting it as a problem that I hope one day I'm going to, I'm going to deal with. It circles so back to what we said before about, making sure that you're accepted with whatever you are, because it's like the, the betrayal, but also then they're not able to support you because if you have an addiction or whatever it is, mental health or a family issue, they're coming with a family or they're coming into your life. And if they can't support you, or if they have a, if they've had themselves have an issue with it, then not, they can't accept you. Then it's not to your best interest not to share that. Yeah, absolutely. There exactly. are ways to share it, and there's whens to share it, and there's ways of dripping a little bit of information at a time, because why share it all if they're not even going to accept some of it? 
but not to share it at all or just to share it the day before you propose is right. just not fair. It's right. just not fair to, to her and it's not fair to you. That's right. And it's not fair to the family that might come or might not come and the whole the whole pain that comes along with that. Yeah, I mean, in short, in short, any any piece of information that would cause the other party to question whether or not they want to marry you, they need to know about because they need to be able to answer that question. Do they want to marry you or not? So the fear is, the fear is, well, what if they say no? And that's the fear. And but they might. They might. They might. But if you can't say no, then your yes is not a full yes. Right? And this is a good lesson in general in life, like with, with boundaries in general. If you can't say no, if you don't have the, the, you don't know how to say no, or you don't have enough information to be able to say no, then you can't really choose something. And forget about the fact for a second that if you hide information, the other person is being tricked, is being fooled, is being betrayed. Even besides that, for the individual, for the guy, for the husband, let's say, who's who's has this this hidden life or hidden part of his life, he will not be able to fully engage in the relationship. I mean, some people can try it, but when you're when 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 you're living a double life, there's always this fear of what if she finds out for for oneself, for oneself. You need to be able, like you just said, you need to be able to you need to know that she chose you as well. It goes both ways. You need to know that, and then. Yeah, and then this is why I say also that ideally, you know, one should, before they get married, get a sense of what the conflicts are going to be. You know, John Gottman says that healthy relationships have 69, 70%, you know, unfinished business or unresolved conflicts. A healthy relationship doesn't mean that you always get along and you always agree. It means that you're, it, it means that it doesn't get personal. It means like you, like you mentioned, there's the, the different things like stonewalling or, or putting somebody down or criticizing, getting personal. But we could, there could be conflicts, there could be disagreements. Ideally, it would, be, it would be great to know as much as you can beforehand, what's gonna, what are we gonna get annoyed about from each other? What are some of the differences? What are the challenges gonna be in our relationship? And then when they happen, it's still annoying, but it doesn't shake up the foundation of the relationship because remember we both knew about this we didn't realize how hard it would be but we still knew it we chose this this is, so the commitment is not is not questioned here it becomes a question of how to navigate it and hopefully you're hearing this now you know i, I always hesitate a little because um on the one hand i want i want people to be informed about the challenges of, of marriage and Shalom bias to help them have, you know, to be motivated to learn, you know, what it is you need to hear and what it is you need to implement. On the other hand, I don't want to freak you out. Right? So but it is challenging. It's going to be challenging. But the purpose of hearing about that is not so much to freak you out, but more for you to, to, to think about how to get best go about the dating to be as prepared as possible. And the preparation is, again, like we said before, in summary, knowing who you are, and knowing who's right for you and knowing the qualities that they have, the things that are going to work, the things that are not going to work, but you've chosen that. And then there, you know, how many times do I hear a couple have an argument 10, 20 years down the line where they reference back the dating where she'll say, or he'll say, you know, this bothered me from the beginning, from the beginning, even before, you know, when this started, even before we got married, this started already. And the question is, 
Did you choose that or did you not choose that? If you knew about it. So don't let others just say, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Say, no, 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 no. Maybe it's fine, maybe it's not fine. I need to choose that. I need to make a choice. And the parents need to hear this as well because we want, we, we want the shidduch to happen. We want the wedding to happen. But what about the whole life after that? It's so really about the marriage. It's not about getting the, getting the dating exactly. part of life over. Exactly. So, so sometimes, and people often ask me, what should I do? Should, you know, they, they talk to me about what's, what's going on during the dating. So should I marry her or not? I had someone ask me a few weeks ago, what would you tell me if I was your child? And I thought about it and I said, I said, I mean, my, my, my oldest is 16 now, but hopefully this is what I would tell my child. What I would say to my child is, you're going to make this choice. But my advice to you is to make as much of an informed choice as you can. And that includes speaking to me and others to get the feedback to, of, of making sure you're not missing important information about yourself, about her. Make sure you get the whole picture as much as possible, and then, but then you choose. No one's pushing you into this choice. Just the flip of that is actually not to disregard something because you heard one thing and you, no. don't know, you don't know enough about it. So go back and have those, have those conversations and find out more about it. Just because someone had did something at 16 years old doesn't mean, and this pretty much when it was over, but they have it in their history, that means that they're just disqualified. Find out right. more about whatever it is and see if you can handle it and what it, what it means today and how, how long ago. And there's so many questions, of course, depending what it was. And sure. also to build on that is that when you're married, you're going to have difficult conversations. So now's the time to have some experience and see how you can handle having difficult conversations. Exactly. Are, are you too afraid to? Well, why are you too afraid? Is it on you or is it on the relationship? So we always say is have, have difficult conversations, have some kind of conflict, work mm -hmm. something out, whatever it is, so that you have that experience. When That's I right. speak to the Shalom Task Force, which is the Organization for Domestic Violence, they always say, stress that you must, they, they stress that you must have some sort of conflict mm -hmm. so that you can see that you can work it out, that you can see if there's anger, you can see if she's trying to control you or he's trying to control her. They, right. they actually, like before, before you commit to marriage, I don't like to say get engaged, but you, before you commit to marriage, did you have that experience? And what was that like for you? Absolutely. I mean, if, if somebody says, you know, uh, I'm not sure about going on a date again because, you know, the, the boy did this or the girl did that or whatever it is. And I got a little bit annoyed by that and I, or I didn't understand what that meant. So why don't you bring it up? Well, I don't know. I can't. I don't want to hurt their feelings, whatever, you know. So look at that. Right, exactly, exactly that, exactly that point. That, um, again, that the fear or the hesitation of something negative will happen if I bring it up, or if this and this happens, or if they find this out or find that out. If we're at the stage of dating right now, good, we want that to happen. We want to see what that's like. We want to see how the other person reacts. I mean, this is with with friendships as well, you know. Talking to my, my kids as teenagers, right? Talking to them about about their relationships as well with friends or whatever it is. Sometimes we, we tell them this idea as well, like tell your friend how you feel, and if they're not able to hear that, that's a red flag. 
in terms of the in terms of the friendship. So if you can't if you can't bring up now sometimes sometimes there's some guidance in how to share things, how to express things. Like there's a lot of you know, there's a lot that can be learned about communication, and I think that you know they have it right in 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 South Africa, for example, where they they require premarital counsel. Every Hasidala, yeah, every Hasidala has to go through a course that the based in you know is and and um, but even before, like you said earlier, you know they say chinuch starts twenty years before the kids are born. Shalom bias starts many, many years before, before you even start dating. It's a lot of it is inner work. A lot of it is information about, you know, about communication. And for men specifically, learning about the, the other universe, the other planet, right? Men and women are, are, re are really not the same in many ways. We have some similarities, but also the differences. And starting to become aware of men and women's needs and what they are. And, um, you know, some guys have grown up with sisters and, you know, maybe some, some women around them, but uh, learning a little bit about that, understanding a little bit about that, or a lot about that. Um, and if, if there's one thing that really stands out, it is the concept of, of empathy, or the way I hear it from a lot of married couples from the wife's side is, can you teach my husband about emotional intimacy? Emotional intimacy. So a lot of guys are good at fixing things or really loving loving their wife in a way of taking care of them in many different ways doing a lot of things like that but the the empathy or the emotional intimacy is sometimes not as intuitive and so it's not too too early to start um really learning about uh, about all of this and this this plays into as well into these conversations that we were just talking about a minute ago of let's say little conflicts that happen because the more you understand male-female relationships, the more you can actually understand what some of these conflicts are, or misunderstandings maybe. And maybe they're not actually necessarily conflicts. Um, and, and like you said, um, sometimes you need help processing what happened in your mind. You might experience that as, oh, this is a major red flag, whether it's something that happened in the past or whether it's something that's happening now. And maybe it is, maybe it's not. So I, you know, I agree. Don't ignore anything, but don't automatically assume it's a red flag either. Find out more information. Uh, a similar thing is background. You know, people ask me, well, I found out this, or I found out that. Is this an issue? Is that an issue? Fill in the blank. Whatever it is, maybe it's an issue, maybe it's not. My question is, how does it impact the relationship? What does it mean? Oh, so I found out that her family or her parents are this or this. Okay, but that's not enough information yet. What, in what way did that, let's say something happened to her in her childhood. My question is, or the question for you is, what, how does that impact her? What kind of person is she today because of that or despite that? And how does that play into her relationships and the way she's going to be a wife and a mother? That's the question. Um, so, we, so, so we don't ignore the issue, but we want to maybe get some context or clarity on what that issue might mean. Um, and then also sometimes here, whether it's just maybe a, a male female thing or just different ways of, you know, humor or communication. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's that. So I, I guess the thing that's coming out of all the different points that we're mentioning here is the importance of not doing it all on your own and having a person or people who you can, 
who are open-minded enough to not push you in one way or the other, but to, 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 to be like I was saying about my kids, like I want them to be fully informed, like to, to allow you to, 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 to get a sense of what might be going on and to reflect back, you know, a little bit more about you, about the person that you're dating, give you clarity on what this might mean potentially. And so you can make an informed choice. So a lot of that comes back down to the conversations. And I think when, when something, when you have this, something that you're not sure about, it's like you're given a difficult conversation on a silver platter because you have to have those difficult conversations. And in that conversation, you can either, what generally happens, either you grow together because you see that you understand each other, you can empathize with each other, or you see that it's not going to work or it's just that you can't be compatible, but not to have those conversations and just leave it out there in the ether eventually it's going to show up. So if you do get married and you didn't have this conversation, it's like, it shows up. Yeah. It's not, you can't wish it away or you can't just wish it wasn't there. So it's an opportunity. Instead of making up a conflict, you have something to talk about. You may want to learn a little bit of how to bring it up in a more sensitive way, but not to bring it up because you don't know how to is really not in the best interest of your, for yourself, for her sure. and for the family. Sure. And so, I think it's really important to have those difficult conversations. Besides that, it's a very important muscle to have for any part of life, for business also. It's like something, don't avoid those difficult conversations because at some point you're going to need that muscle. So here's one of the places to start. Absolutely. And, but it can, it can help. It can help to, to learn some, some communication skills of how to express a, a difficult thing, in, in, including some of the rules of, of conflict, which is, which is we're not allowed to insult the other person, right, or put them down in any way, um, and you know, there, there, there are, you know, sometimes, sometimes learning how to express something is not, a, is not, is not, is not controlling you, it's not putting, making you walk on eggshells, but it's actually guiding you, empowering you to express something. You know, Hasidus says that symptom is giloy, right? That sometimes the only way that somebody else will understand you is if you shape what you're saying into a box that fits into that other person's world. So it's not a, so you think you're, you might, you might feel like you're limiting yourself. Why do I have to use these words? Like we say, for example, use I statements instead of you statements, right. right? So that's an example. It can be experienced in a victim way of like, you're controlling me. I can't just express myself. Now, because it is teaching us that if you just express yourself sometimes without any filter, you lose out. Because when there's no thoughtfulness about how the other person might hear or see it, so then it's very possible that'll blow them away. They're not going to get it. They're not going to be able to absorb it on the one hand. On the other hand, if you, you, you can do that, in other words, you can learn how to filter your words or how to express it in a way that it can be received. On the other hand, you don't want to, you, you don't need to do that because you're afraid, you know, it's, it's not, it's not walking on eggshells, right? So it's, 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 it's a nuance. It's a nuance over there where you don't have to filter everything you said out of fear because what if somebody doesn't like what I'm saying? It's not about people pleasing. The middle ground is where you can be kind of assertive, where you do bring up the conversation and you do share what you have to share, but a little bit of guidance on healthy ways to express it in a way that it can be heard can, can go a long way. So to that end, actually, Adayad sent out a daily um, relationship tip. And I'll put in the show notes, I'll put the, uh, the you, can, you can subscribe to it on WhatsApp. It's also on Facebook. And so we have different tips like that. So you just have, it's called just one thing. So there's just one tip per day. And we talk a lot about these different things of 
Open as is the way you you're speaking in a way so that it can be received, so that it can be effective. I mean, you hoping that the other person will make some sort of change or understand something differently. So it's in your best interest to say it in the way that they will best receive it. Exactly. And that's sort of the way we compile all these uh, daily tips. I actually compiled a, a whole set into a book, which I'll also put in the show notes. Uh, in honor of my son's wedding, I put them together in a book. It was really a nice thing to give out. So I can share that in the, in the show notes. I was just going back to what you said earlier about the emotions. But emo so I, I love to use the feelings wheel because mm -hmm. it really has a lot of different nuanced words of different emotions and you find the intensity of how you are feeling. Instead of just saying, I'm feeling angry, well, is it frustrated, disappointed? Like what is really going on for you? And then it helps you know how to deal with it. It also helps if you choose to speak about it, it helps the other person understand you better. So I love using the feelings wheel. So I'll also share that in these show notes. Because I think, or you can Google that because there's a very easy, but that, those are really important. I think the point that you bring out is an important point for a lot of people to hear because it's often misunderstood when we talk about not letting feelings overtake your life or when there are messages that talk about Hasidim or people, individuals who are able to, for example, not get angry, right? Or these kinds of expressions, which could be misunderstood as, you know, ignore or suppress what you're feeling and, and that's not at all what it means because the, the, there's a rule that we tell married people which is that you have a choice either you're going to say it with your words or you're going to slam the door right you're going to say it. it's going to come out right so the idea of the idea of of someone who's living on a plane of bitachan or whatever it might be where they don't get angry what that means is that they're actually not experiencing the anger. Right? But if someone is experiencing the anger, and he says, oh, I have to be that guy, so I'm just going to have dissonance and not be aware of what's going on in my body because I'm supposed to not experience anger, then you're then You're not the tzaddik. You know, you're not. So what it, it's, it's simply, there's a lot of confusion around this, but it's simply a matter of honesty. Torah is all about truth and about honesty. And the honest truth is, that if you're experiencing a feeling and emotion, it doesn't have to take over your life. But to say it's not happening isn't helpful. But to have a to have good tools to work through it and to deal with it, there isn't necessarily only one way. But you know, shoving it under a carpet really doesn't make it go away; it just makes the carpet higher and higher. So, so that that's the nuance that that maybe that maybe can you know, we're we're talking about ideally working on yourself, and there are. There, there are people that reach levels where they have a certain sturdiness and certain confidence that maybe someone can say something insulting and it doesn't hurt them. That's wonderful. But if someone is hurt by it, um, wishing that they weren't, that, that's not enough of a solution. You do need to know how to process feelings of hurt because otherwise the opposite, the, the problem is if you don't process it, emotions that aren't processed remain and they get stuck and they end up coming out backwards. And there always comes out as resentments, et cetera. And like we said before, if you, if you can't say no, you can't say yes. So if your wife asks you to do something and you're really not able to do it, you have to, you have to say no. I try to say yes at all times, but if, it's, if, if you can't, then you have to say no. 
So there, there's a certain honesty and truth. I, 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 I'm hearing that as a theme tonight. A lot of what we're talking about is awareness, self-awareness, truth, honesty, and guidance in you know how to be aware of that, how to express it, how to bring it out, and then how to see where that takes you. It's kind of like a theme that I'm hearing. And I think it's really important. And the idea of get, integrating these into your into your way of being before you get married, and in this time of dating or this time before dating, is like really start practicing or becoming more experienced and having experience and becoming more experienced in communication, in working with your relation, in your working with your well, your relationships and working with your emotions, and being more confident in who you are and being able to. Like you said, I think one of the most key pieces that I heard is don't don't allow yourself to be pressured by anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Because I've I've seen that. And I think you are all allowed to question Amashbeya and say that doesn't resonate with me. Maybe I didn't explain it right, or maybe there's something else going on because what, what I'm hearing doesn't resonate. Um and you can question it. I mean, there's a whole way of working with a mentor must be a dating coach it's really your life no one else is going to be in that marriage with you i mean she will but nobody else so they can give advice much easier and if it doesn't sit right with you um talk to it again and right. again process it. it has to be processed yeah and be open you know you can you can still be open and you can be open to say you know maybe my must has a point here that i'm in denial about whatever it may be be open to that and question and ask, but you know, it, it's uh, uh, I don't believe that a mashpia is someone who, you know, uh, is is someone who makes a zera, you know, who says this is what you have to do. Blind. I don't think that's the role of a mashpia. A mashpia is to guide and to to direct, and um, yeah. Uh, so there's definitely that. Um, Something else came to mind, but then went went for a walk. There's there's so much there is so much to prepare as far as what we didn't cover and hope to cover in some other in some future is what is the role of the husband in the marriage? What is the role of the wife? And understanding that and how to have conversations about that. Yeah. That's an important piece of you know whatever you envision from your from your own upbringing and what you're bringing from your upbringing into the marriage. So even though we're not going to discuss it now. But for those that are listening, it's something to start thinking about and start formulating what is my role as the husband or as the wife and what do I want for my family and what is the role of the father and where am I getting that idea, those ideas from and will that sit well with most people or just my one wife? And I, you know, so all of those things I think are really important and I really hope to un unpack that sooner yeah. than later. I think I guess this is what the, the thing that came to mind about what you're saying is that the concept of cheshban hanefesh, of self-awareness, what Hayyam Yam says that a chassid knows his limitations, he knows his strengths, right? So this this is something we grew up with, something we've heard all the time, but we don't always implement it or know how to implement it. And, and there's no better time like the present to really learn about what that means. What is cheshban hanefesh? What does it mean? How do I become more self-aware? Like ideally, if I said to you, what do you look like? What's your body language when you're feeling threatened? What 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 do, what facial expressions or sounds or what what's your coping mechanism when you're not feeling comfortable or you're feeling awkward? Or what are the what are your strengths? What are your limitations? What are you good at? What are you not good at? Like these are things that a lot of people have never thought about. And we, ideally, we're supposed to be doing that in yeshiva too. 
but if we haven't done it until now, real cheshbon and nefesh means really, it's, it's, it's just about fact-finding at this point, without judgment, just knowing what am I good at, what am I not good at, what are my values, uh, what do I need to work on, and that, you know, like we said before, figuring out if any of those are bigger things that need to be dealt with before getting married. So it all falls under the, the, the hat of cheshbon ha-nefesh together with the mashpia, becoming more self-aware. Um, as much as we can, and then um, going from there. We actually did a talk with uh, Shlomo Berezin about journaling, because mm. to do this only in your head means you have to hold all that information in your head. Yeah. Once you journal it, you write it down, and first of all, you see a, a very interesting things come out of your pen, but also when you want to bring it up with a conversation with a mashpir or whoever, it's down on paper. And he, I mean, we spoke about that the writing is better than typing it, but whichever way, but get it out of your head so you don't have to hold all that information. And it's also interesting to see the choice of words that you use. So while journaling may be very foreign to some people, it's a very good tool for Cheshbon and Nefesh. Absolutely. And they also talk about it's actually good for, it's very therapeutic. And they actually did a whole bunch of studies on that, but that's a whole different benefit of journaling. Yeah, that's wonderful. With regards to the, yeah, and, and you know, with regards to, to, to the values list and the personalities is that itself as well. I, I find that it's it's helpful to, to go in that way, meaning you start off with brainstorming, where at first you're not writing a list of, of 10 things. You're writing without a filter, anything that comes to mind, any word, any idea, it's messy. It's all over the place. There's no order. There's no priority. It's just and no grammar. No grammar, nothing. It's just nobody else is going to see it. Don't worry. But you can write, you know, pages and pages or drawing, whatever it is, you start off with letting it all come out of your head onto a piece of paper. And then with a few, you know, begin to edit it and edit it and collect words until you can distill it to those, to those top 10 um, or top three or whatever it is, then try to put it in order of, of priority. So yeah, there's a creative process there that could be, like you said, very therapeutic um, and, and clarifying. A lot of us never really thought about it. So we had no idea what we're good at or no idea what our limitations are, what our fears are, what our values are, what personality is like, you know, it, it's interesting to, it, that's interesting in and of itself. And then you have what to answer, but then you have what to answer. Yeah. Right. But I also think of reaching out to people around you for what do you think my strengths and my values are just yeah. as firstly yeah. to get other people's language and other people's perspectives, but also to see how you're really perceived in the world. Some people are perceived, think of themselves less than the, the way they are really perceived mm -hmm. people. And sometimes people think more highly of themselves and need to be brought to reality. But mostly, mostly, mostly we are, we think less of ourselves than other people. And it's very interesting to see how many people say that you are adventurous or independent thinker or whatever it is that and sometimes there's really surprises. So I think it's a really good tool. I recommend it to everyone who I work with to get that, ask six, seven people, and as possible to ask people from the other gender, which in your case would be asking your mother, your sister, or you know other people. That's great. How, do, how do women perceive you? Yeah, that's great. And that can another, be really- uh, Another tip that I found sometimes is knowing your natural tendency may help direct you on how to push yourself in the opposite direction. Meaning, um, you know, for example, just one example is a bacher who has a question about whether they should push themselves to, to let's say, learn more or work more, or do more versus more self-care and more, you know, getting some more rest or sleeping more or learning less, let's say, three prokim rambam or one, or like these kinds of questions. Um, and it, it comes up in the question of personality, right? So 
sometimes the answer is that if your tendency is to push yourself too much or to be too harsh on yourself, right, to put yourself down, to think of yourself as not good enough, then maybe your, your work is to go in the opposite direction. Someone who has the opposite issue where they tend to think too highly of themselves and tend to not be aware of some of their limitations, they need to go the other way around. And Rambam always says we should try to try to be in the middle somewhere. Um, but that could be a that could be a, a hint of what we need to work on if we find ourselves being pulled to one extreme. Naturally, we may want to pull ourselves back the other way a little bit. Well, as far as we're talking about tools, if you also think of the people who who make you nervous. And what about the make you nervous? Because many times it's a mirror of yourself, which is a whole conversation. But I think that this, if you, like they make you nervous because it's something in you that notices it, because otherwise you, would, you wouldn't notice it as much or wouldn't be as bothersome. Yeah. So yeah. that's just another prompt. Like who are people that I admire and what do I admire about them? And what are some things, character traits and other people that seem to grate on my nerves? Might that be in me somehow? Absolutely. And in that, in that point as well, or related to that point as well, is, is the opposite as well, attraction. That is when, uh, let's say, a boy meets a girl and it's these very strong feelings of attraction and something about her that, and, and let's say it doesn't work out, so they're not going to get married. And often I'll hear, like, you know, there's, I, can't, I can't let go of her. Right? I can't stop thinking about her. And if you haven't been married and committed to each other, then most likely is it's not really her it's something about her so if you can identify what that is then it helps you know what you're looking for which may not be coming from a healthy place that depends but it's 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 kind of like you know if somebody likes the taste of a particular drink and i, I buy them another bottle that's no 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 that was the first one that was that first one so it's it's at this point when you're dating and meeting people it's most likely the qualities, just like what you were saying, also the negative, also the positive. Um, it, it's, it's not necessarily the person, but what it is that, that the person's personality or something about the person's personality or behavior is bringing up for you, either positive or negative. And if you're aware of that, it can help you learn more about yourself and what it is that gets you nervous, what it is that gets you excited, you know, Chesed so journal all through the dating, not only before the dating, but all through the dating, and you can find all kinds of things, really all through life. But yeah, That's what we said earlier, that if, unfortunately, somebody has to go through the experience of dating more than one person, there's so much that they can learn about themselves uh, in that process and gain a lot from what didn't work out. But don't start dating just to, just so I can figure myself out. <laughs> no. Unless you're going to tell her straight out, I'm using you so I can figure myself out. And, of course, you wouldn't do that. But some people are just like, just start dating because dating is going to take a while. So let's just start dating. Let's get you someone to date so you can start getting into it. And then you're, I mean, in other words, you're using somebody to figure yourself out to figure out your dating, which is yeah. really not fair to her and really not fair to you. Do the figuring out on your own husband. Correct. If we're on the topic, though, of, of uh, you know, of someone who's having a hard time, uh, meaning that they've going on another date another date and then it's not working out and they're meeting another person and another person it's very it's very understandable that when you start with a new person to to be able to get yourself into the mindset and the excitement because here we go again right that's very difficult yeah. to do that but something that i learned from a recording studio powerful lesson from the recording studio is 
when you're trying to make a recording, let's say a singer is trying to make a recording and it's not going well and they're trying again and again. And by that time, their voice is hoarse and they definitely don't have the energy to do it. But what you have to remember, the producer will remind you is that the only the only sound that the consumer is going to hear is the one that works out, the last one. That's the only one. So if you sound tired, if you sound not interested, that's the only one that they're going to know about, right? In other words, it, this, it's a mindset that can help us uh, when you're going out with someone else to really get yourself into that space of, if this is the person that I'm going to marry, potentially, so how can I get myself into the mode of being that this is a possibility? It's almost like the first time to be as excited as I can to really put myself into it because, uh, you know, the persons you actually marry, you want to be into, you know? So it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, but just remember that. Right. And that's a whole other conversation about dating and you know, yeah. several yeah. dates because I have so much to say on that, but we did hit more than an hour. So I really want to thank you for that time. And for all the insights, it was really, really important that we cover the things that we did cover. And we hope to cover some more in this series of Shidduch U, Shidduch University. Uh, we have a, a few more talks that are planned and many more planned for the rest of the year. There's also uh, some on our website and our podcast. Uh, so I'll, I'll put that all in the show notes. It's on adaiad.org, A-D-A-I-A-D.org. That's all A's. And so there's lots of information there. Right now, we actually have a, we were hacked. So we're working on a temporary website, but it should be up soon. So those of you who listen to the recording, it was hacked, but um, we should have a lot there on the, on the website. So uh, thank you, Rabbi Levin. Uh, how can people reach you and the work that you do? Thank you, Arthur. So um, I can put my phone number out. Sure. You can put that out. That's 201-870-1770. Um, and I can, put that out. I can put my email information out as well. Um, as a chassan teacher, you can find me on Laman Yilmadu because I'm working with them for the uh, Academy. And um, I guess that's the best way to contact me. If people have my phone number and email, they can that's just enough. reach out to me. Out to me from there. And I want to, I want to wish you a lot of success and hatslach and the good work that you're doing, putting all this information and tools and resources and support out there, and wishing hatslach to anybody watching or listening. Um, my favorite part of of this journey is hearing. Now, even though there's a lot more that comes after that, but hearing, you know, where we're, we've committed to each other, we're getting married, we're getting engaged, and no matter where you are in the journey, you'll get there. Um, right. And so, Hatzlacha with that, and you should have uh, good news. All right. Thank you, Rabbi Levin. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Take care.